0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 42 of the Hammerlock Hangover, and this is going to be a rare solo show. Steve's on vacation, so I'm doing it myself, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I am a podcaster, but I famously do not like solo shows, so we'll see. So, as I think you remember, hopefully... Oh, first, I'm supposed to tell you to like and... uh, share this with your friends and write a review and give a five-star rating and all that other great stuff um and i also want to thank the wrestling soup network and the rational rage network for having us on your networks so uh, enjoy their other shows check out all their cool stuff they great quality programming on all of those networks uh obviously wrestling soup is the flagship of wrestling soup there's also a show with uh mish and kevin um, there's uh, several others. The alleged wrestling uh, podcast, the False Count Anywhere RCWR, uh, I, I think. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm botching things up. Um, also, uh, Castle Chronicles, Kevin and Trez, and uh, Kevin is a uh, also on the Rational Rage Network with the podcast Adventures of uh, Castle and chickie Um, also several wrestling shows on there, there's The Conflict, The Skirmish, there's a Smackdown review show and a Raw review show, among other things, so um, here I go, so last week we recorded a little bit early because of Steve's vacation, so let's talk a little bit about AEW fighter press, let me say this, Steve's not here to be the troll and and to mock me when I say positive things about AEW, and you know, I don't look to say positive things about A.W., but I don't look not to either. Um, I happen to think that since they had their Saturday night episode, that whether that this is four weeks out or it's five weeks out, I think these have been the four or five, whatever it has been since that Saturday night episode, best consecutive episodes of Dynamite that they've had. I'm not saying that any one of them was necessarily the best singular episode, but I think that these have been the the, fe- the best set of episodes Uh, and that is, despite all of the anticipation and excitement surrounding Daniel Bryan and CM Punk being tied to AEW, uh, I've seen reports saying that their signings are 100%. Okay, we'll see. Um, You know, obviously there were some serious hints and some serious teasing, or maybe trolling, um, a couple nights ago, well, last night, on Fight for the Fallen. But i don't think so i don't think it's any accident that they announced an earlier chicago show in a very large facility um uh, only a few weeks before all out so you know uh somebody's in chicago and uh daniel uh or well brian brian now i'm sure he's going by brian danielson again um he can wait a bit yeah that, that could be new york that could be a big excitement i remember there in newark Um, the Wednesday prior to the Queen show. So they've got two big shows and two big arenas, a lot of excitement around both. And, uh, you know, so they may want to uh, have them surprise us at Newark and then be in a match in Queens. Why not? Although they've already pretty much sold out both. But so anyway, we'll get to those things later, possibly. But if I forget, because I'm old, we've heard it. All right. So we left off at Fighter Fest 2. Um first match was Jericho versus Spears. Since this is old news, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible. Um, Spears, of course, lost this match. He tried, he used the chair, but, you know, not better than Jericho. Um, Sammy Guevara chased Tully Blanchard away at some point. But Jericho, of course, reversed the advantage of the chair without actually using it, not breaking the rules. Uh, and he got the win, Um MJF added a different stipulation to the future labors and nobody else could help Jericho. He couldn't have any outside interference. So the whole deal was off. I don't know how you do that after the fact, but it was done and it seems to be holding. So there we go. Labor number two was going to be a no disqualification match with Nick freaking gauge coming off his dark side of the ring fame. Um, We also know since that he lost the GCW title to Matt Cardona Everyone in the world has been telling us and you that that's why he lost the the match to Matt Cardona. They didn't want to see his their title holder lose. A few days later on Dynamite. Meanwhile, it's been a you know interesting little story. It's gotten a lot of press for GCW. It's gotten uh, some press and you know maybe respect for Matt Cardona. Um, and now the fallout from Domino's, Matt Cardone is already playing with that. And uh, I'm not even sure that the fallout for Domino's is real fallout. If it wasn't a rib, um, whatever it is, it, it what? It, it, unless Domino's pulls it's all it's advertising from TNT totally, as opposed to just dynamite. It, this doesn't matter. It, it, these things pass. And I'm pretty sure if Domino's did that, Papa John's or Pizza Bollies or Pizza Hut or somebody else would take that spot right away to try to look like the cool pizza place. So uh, this, I suspect, is much ado about nothing, if it ever was anything other than a Frankly, I'm, I haven't explored it very much to see what's going on. All right. Now, Miro, this week and uh, two nights ago or last night, today is Thursday, the 29th, by the way, um, he did promos, no matches. Uh, he's talking about being the redeemer. Um, he said he's going to face someone in two weeks. Uh, last night he said that he had this open challenge. Nobody's come to meet it. Everyone's afraid of him. And that he's only afraid of two things, a vengeful God and, a, and his double-jointed wife, which was awesome. And he's doing the God's favor, champion. I love it. I love everything about Miro. As it turns out, he's fighting Lee Big Shotty Johnson. Okay. Uh, good for Lee Johnson, I guess. Probably not. This should be a five minute squash. Um I don't know. I think Lee Johnson's won one match that, that we've seen on Dynamite. I don't know what he's done on the you know the, the dark shows or uh dark elevation. Don't really care either. Uh, Miro's gonna kill him. Um Doc Gallows with Anderson had a solo match against Kazarian. Okay. Frankie Kazarian doesn't need to be on dynamite anymore. This elite hunter thing is, is ridiculous. It's, it's a gimmick that that's, they box themselves into a corner. Frankie Kazarian can't go over on the big stars. He could only get up to a certain point and doing it. I understand he appeared on impact tonight. Well, better doing it there than on dynamite. I will say that. So, you know, I guess they learned from their mistake from a week ago. Cause there was no mention of Kazarian, um, last night on fight for the fallen, but apparently he was on impact chasing the elite there. Fine. So be it. Good, good, good for him. I noted that doc gallows that uh, even his music was boring. Um, and he, he lost this match. <laughs> so, uh, I, by he, I mean, Gazarian. he lost uh, his, his first solo match as the elite hunter and he lost it. Um, Anyway, Paige interrupted with a drink. Uh, he was outnumbered. The Dark Order rescued him. The Dark Order, of course, uh, went straight into the ring and didn't try to take on any of the four other wrestlers, which, fine, so be it. Um, Brian Cage said he was going to show up at uh, the FTW celebration for Starks last night, which, in fact, he did. I have to note that uh, eight days ago, Hobbs were, was wearing this ridiculous hillbilly outfit uh, in the FTW colors of brown and orange. Um, but he, I mean, the outfit looked like, I, I don't know, something from a 1920s movie or something. I, I don't know what it was. Um, we had a Wheeler Utah, who nobody knows who he is, even though he's been a ring of honor for like the past uh, six or seven months, except for the last month where he's been working mostly New Japan Strong. And of course, A.W. Darker. Now, uh, now he's sort of the fill-in for the best friends for the injured Trent. Um, anyway, it was a face versus face match. Sting was there. It was against Darby. Darby won. Um, there was a pretty funny segment where Sting uh, actually w- walked up to. D- um, I'm sorry, Darby. Orange Cassidy. I am. I, I uh, apologize for that one. Uh, the match was with Darby, and Darby won. But Orange Cassidy was with of uh, Utah. And Sting walked up to Orange Cassidy and basically mimicked the soft kicks, you know, the lazy kicks. And then he did a lazy pa- pounding of his chest the way he used to do. Um, and so, you know, you know, it was goofy, but it was funny. That's the way I, that Orange Cassidy should be used properly. Um, the Blade attacked Orange Cassidy with the brass knuckles. They had a match later. Spoiler, the Blade lost. Uh, another spoiler: Last night, the Blade attacked somebody. He came out of the audience. He was wearing a hoodie. Uh, he hit Christian with the brass knuckles. Of course, when you, with all the hubbub going around, and somebody comes out of the crowd who's about five nine, wearing a hoodie, and it turns out to be the Blade, you're obviously disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking maybe it was CM Punk, um, but no, it was the Blade. And apparently, his next feud is with Christian. So this Hardy family office thing with Christian is continuing. Um, I said that there was no chance that uh, Archer was going to uh, keep that, uh, was going to win the belt last week. The second I saw Hikaleo, I moved the goalpost because I'm like, yeah, obviously he's going to win that belt because New Japan's going to take its belt back. They're going to give it to Hikaleo in in the following week. And then last night I saw the Tanahashi promo, so I'm moving the goalpost again because right then, listen. Credit to AEW. They surprised me two weeks in a row. Good for them. Tanahashi is a, you know, know, big name, big star, one of the icons of New Japan wrestling. Um, I will say this. This is a commercial for the New Japan Strong Resurgence card, which is August 14th. Lance Archer will be facing Tanahashi in California in a New Japan ring, um, but this was basically a commercial for New Japan Strong. So while there's certainly more going, you know, showing on the AEW screen, I'm still not convinced that it's not just this worm on a on a bait hook that people are biting a little bit of, and they're getting just enough to think that there's a forbidden door that, that's broken open. I'm still thinking it's only a creek or a little crack, but that doesn't, rule out the chance that it may open more. They did use the phrase last night because of our partnership with New Japan. They never used those phrases before. They used forbidden door or similar terms, uh, but they never used that actual phrase before. And I think that was noteworthy. That said, I still think New Japan is playing chess. is uh, probably playing like Monopoly or some game where they think that they're winning, but really nobody wins. It just sort of goes on. Impact still is a doormat. Nobody's paying attention to Impact. Um, All of their buzz is on Twitter. Uh, But New Japan, you know, like I said, they realized that Moxley was an upgrade over Omega, popularity-wise, in North America. Um, They realized that Archer's pretty good, too. He's got the history with New Japan, but they're going to, you know... uh, You know, Moxley indicated in a promo last night he was sending contracts over to Japan, so maybe he's planning to go over there and spend some time over there. Though with a newborn, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and especially with the COVID restrictions there, you'd think he'd have to go there, spend 10 days or 14 days in a quarantine, quarantine, do whatever matches he's going to do, and before he comes back, maybe have to be in a quarantine again, depending on the restrictions over there. And, and the restrictions over here with the variant, we don't know. So playing travel seems strange. So maybe it was just a promo. Maybe it was just a, a swerve. And maybe Moxie will get involved in the New Japan Resurgence show or in some way, shape, or form or New Japan Strong episodes or pay-per-views come, going forward. But um, this was basically a glorified commercial for New Japan Strong, uh, Tanahashi versus Archer, which I think is a pretty cool match. I mean, I, I might get that card. I've never... Paid for a New Japan card, I'm, you know. Ever, I've seen some of their stuff with with Ring of Honor, you know, about four or five years ago when they were actively together, and and you know, I've enjoyed the work. So, you know, I like some of the wrestlers who are over there. I like Carl Fredericks, uh, Clark Connors. Um, yeah, they mix it up. They, they they get some guys from NWA and from. Uh, MLW and Ring of Honor. So, I mean, you know, it, could, it could be a really cool card. And I don't know what the price is, but if the price point is like 20 or 25 bucks, that's, it's probably worth it. Um, anyway, New Japan promoting New Japan strong. Probably AEW pays for that and is, and is foot in the bill. They're probably even paying for Tanahashi to come go over here. I don't know. I'm, I might be reaching that. Anyway, Sting and, Sting and Orange Cast, they had a the amusing segment. Darby beat uh, Yuta. Uh, you know, face face respect. La la la. Hikaleo was there. We learned he's Haku's son. I didn't know Haku had a third son. I didn't know he had a son that's like six foot eight or six foot 10. He's wearing his Bullet Club shirt on there. Everyone's very excited, excited about that. Nyla Rose is still with Vicky Guerrero. God knows why. Britt Brit is with Reba. This was a pretty sloppy match. Britt's um, wrist was broken in this match. She did retain. Uh, This was an ugly match. I don't know how much the broken wrist had to do with it. Kudos to her for finishing the match. Um, But, uh, yeah, this was no bueno. Um, Three years, three broken bones. I mean, I've been saying Dr. Brittle Baker lately. I know that sounds shitty, and it's maybe a little mean and cruel. But, I mean, at some point, you know, with Chelsea Green also constantly being injured, and I know that there was questions about Tegan Knox. You have to ask the question is 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 she tough enough physically not not mentally um you know and not because of spirit just her body itself is is it tough enough to handle uh pro wrestling or pro wrestling with folks that aren't as disciplined and aren't as trained and precise uh as maybe you'd find on the main roster in wwe but i mean not that they're perfect either so I don't know. All I'm saying, at least three broken bones in three years, nose, wrist, uh, leg. And and I'm pretty sure she was injured once before without there being anything broken earlier in her career. Anyway, moving along, um, there was a segment with FTR and uh, Proud and Powerful. Uh, some people really like this segment, I think, because Santana got really emotional, and, and and he really was the star of this segment, but there were really strange edits, and they insist on this story that, hey, FTR, we grew up poor, and we're a lot like you, proud and powerful. Um, all right, I'm not going to get too much into details. I think it's patently absurd on its face. I mean, I don't know if they really grew up poor or not, and I'm sure they did, but it ain't the same as growing up in the Bronx. I mean, I, I grew up in Lynbrook which is not too far from the, the Queens border. Um, and, you know, Limbrook isn't the same as growing up in Queens. You know, It's certainly not the same as growing up in the Bronx. Um, so I don't know. I think the, the story is dumb. It just, it, I, I don't even quite get it. Um, I, I understand FTR's heels sort of trying to say it for whatever reason. But when commentary picks it up and, and makes it like it's a real story, that, that that's when it sort of loses me. That said, skipping ahead to last night, well, Cash Wheeler got hurt. Uh, I, I'm not sure how serious it is, but it looked like he got a, a pretty serious gash in his arm. Uh, I'm not sure if anything was broken. He was gripping it pretty tight. It looked like it was a strange angle. But, I mean, that very well just could have been to try to stem the flow of blood. Makes you know That would make perfect sense, too. Uh, and I guess we'll find out. I mean, if it's just a Stitches Staples kind of thing um, where it can be taped up and he can be in action in two weeks or maybe sooner, who knows if it's protected enough or if it's something worse, if there's something broken, a tendon, a muscle slice, hopefully not. Um, this match was pretty good until it ended abruptly. The strange thing is FTR won. Um, you think that they would make an audible that, that uh, Santana and Ortiz would have won, but they didn't. Um, I'm sort of glad that Steve isn't here because he'd be yelling and screaming. He'd be throwing a fit about that, and rightfully so. I mean, the push should be Santana and Ortiz right now straight up to New York. Yes, there's time to rehabilitate it. But if cash is hurt, how do they get their revenge and get into that number one picture unless there's one of those other gimmicky things again, another battle royal or some other tournament or some gauntlet match one night, which, I mean, you know, they can do. It can all work. Um, it's just weird. I I think I would have gone the other way just out of an abundance of caution. If they're supposed to have a feud, so it Just reverse next time's ending. Have FTR go over next time if it wasn't a serious injury. I mean, it's usually best out of three, right? Right. All right. Tony Schiavone interviewing Andrade with a grooming assistant. All right. He's still getting no reaction from the crowd, but I am telling you, He's getting a reaction from me. I, I love this entire thing. I love the grooming assistant, sort of using a lint brush, and you know, and you know, just like sort of being like his butler, or his haberdasher, or whatever it was. And finally, Andrade has his surprise. Finally, the surprise that's been teased for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we never saw is Chavo Guerrero. So he traded up on Guerrero. He's got rid of Vicky. Got Chavo. Chavo is his executive consultant. Chavo got a great reaction. And I have to say, I, I thought Chavo was great. I thought Chavo was great last night also. I, I, this is a big upgrade. I, I think it's terrific. Um, anyone who's been listening to me has said that I don't really think Andrade needed an interpreter. I thought that you could pretty much understand his English well enough and just from his body language. Uh, and his disposition, you could say what he would, you could understand what he was saying. I compared it to Asuka when she speaks angry Japanese and Pentagon when, you know, he can just sort of emote and you know what he's saying, but you know what last night, it lost me on, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I got over the, the look, you know, this is sort of the same thing. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I think, I think it's like almost like a higher class version of the Omega Don Callis Nakazawa thing. Um, I actually think Andrade looks like the winner. He looks like the champion. He looks like, you know, 10 million bucks. He, you know, he, he looks the part. But he does sort of need an interpreter. But I think Chavo's great at it because he's a wrestling promo guy. He's not just an interpreter. He's not that sometimes ring announcer, sometimes interpreter, sometimes best friend of Pentagon. Alejandro, uh, I, Steve knows his name. I don't know his name. You all know who I'm talking about. The, the guy who almost got himself fired because he was giggling with the other guy who made an inappropriate joke. Anyway, um, they get interrupted by Death Triangle. Pack is speaking. We're not hiding. This story is continuing. I mean, I guess it should continue. I, I never understood how Andrade said, I'm going for the AEW and T. And, uh, I'm sorry, the TNT and AEW titles. And then the next week he starts targeting Death Triangle. They have no titles. I'm not even sure if they're ranked. There's three of them. There's one Andrade. I I don't understand the whole thing. But he did start sort of the insinuation into the Lucha Brothers trying to get them on side. He asked why they worked for PAC last week. PAC's like, they don't work for me. We're a brotherhood. We're a team. Uh, And then the Lucha Brothers basically said, yeah, we're a team and you're not on our level. All right whatever Um, last night uh, everyone was saying to pack, Hey, you're alone. And packs like, I'm not alone. Uh, Somebody canceled the car service for the Lucha brothers. Uh Oh, Okay, this is 2021. Are you trying to tell 2021 could be 1971? You're trying to tell me that they can't pay for a cab, but in 2021 they don't have the Uber app or the Lyft app. (laughs) Once they realize the car isn't coming, that they wouldn't make it to the show, and they never showed up the rest of the night. It's not like they got to the show late. And then uh, Andrade and Chavo they come out and they're basically saying, hey. We sent a limo, and a limo, by the way, that that's a car, but it's really long and really luxurious. So maybe they sent them a limo and took them out, you know, to clubs or something. I, you know, I I don't know. This was a little bit dopey, but it, but it was funny, um, and you know, obviously it's setting up the the suspected turn one day of the Lucha Brothers or one of the Lucha Brothers. Maybe make it a two on two or or pack is alone, and then he's got to recruit some people. Gee, I wonder who he could recruit. There's two names coming up, or or maybe there's other people that won't be in a top flight program anymore. Um, you know, maybe Brian Cage will be done with Team Taz by then. Maybe Adam Page, uh, who keeps seems to keep getting passed over, um, will be available. Who knows? Maybe the Dark Order will be flipped over to Pack, and he'll be some, some stuck with that uh, Albatross. Anyway. Um, i'm not even going to go into anything hardy family office don't care i've already said enough about it with the with the blade thing it's just this jurassic express and christian thing because they're still a team uh after the week where it looked like the jungle boy wasn't exactly thrilled with christian being on luchasaurus's shoulders we haven't really seen or heard anything else about dissension over there Um, They seem very much to be occupied with the various members of Hardy family office, whoever shows up for work that week. The only thing that was interesting last night was that private party sort of dressed like the Hardys did like 15 or 20 years ago. So those black velour tops and I guess you call them skater pants. I'm not not even really sure what they were. But anyway, it was sort of that look. Um, They were with Angelico, Jack Evans, Nowhere to be Found. The Butcher, I guess, is still recuperating. My understanding is that he didn't have particularly serious surgery, so I don't know what's going on with him. Um, there's been no reports. So if anybody knows anything about The Butcher, let us know. And then we already talked about the, the blade. All right. We then had a segment with QT Marshall. He was going to apologize next week, which was last night, for spilling the smoothie on Tony Shivani's head, but this was delayed another week. Uh, probably because they didn't have enough time wisely, and that's going to be next week when Tony Schiavone's family is going to be there so QT Marshall can express how sorry he is in person to so whole family. So, hey, what could go wrong? Um, I, like most of you, no longer care one bit about QT Marshall. Most of you never did what whatsoever. There were a couple weeks where I was digging this thing, but since the factory lost everything, uh, since Nick Camarado is almost never in the ring uh, because I don't care about Rabbi Aaron Shlomo, uh, and because Anthony Gogo, who seemed like he had some potential, but, you know, instantly got hurt. And, you know, I'm really concerned with the, the fact that his left eye, he is 80 percent permanent vision lost in it. I, I don't know that that bodes so well. He's not that that young a man. I think we looked it up. and He was like 33, which is not old, but it's sort of oldish to be starting a new career with those impediments. And they haven't mentioned his name since. So that's that's not a wow. good sign. Um, I, I'm not covering the the blade with the bunny versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Nobody cares. Um, Chris Jericho, upon hearing about the Nick Gage challenge labor, he, uh, revealed the painmaker gimmick, the, the makeup and the alpha, the war in new Japan. Um, okay. Swell. Um. And we did learn that the IGWP U.S. title winner would face Hikaleo next week last night. I already touched on this. I already teased the ending. Uh, Yes, uh, Hikaleo uh, faced Lance Archer in an okay match. It wasn't great, but it was neat to see a a title defended, another promotions title defended on AEW TV two weeks in a row. Uh, There was a little confusion about where Tanahashi was going to wrestle Archer next. A lot of people thought it was going to be on Dynamite. Uh, some people thought it might be at a pay-per-view, an AEW pay-per-view. Others thought it was gonna be in in Japan. I heard them say a new Japan ring, and so I was pretty sure it was about the resurgent thing. Also the nature of the promo from Tanihashi, clearly pre-recorded. You know, he's he's not stateside. So anyway, it was confirmed it's at resurgence. I I think I already said that. I'm pretty sure I already did. Um, we have the Dallas Death match, where you can win only by not answering the 10 count. Uh, we already know that Archer won, uh, so this match was pretty cool, um, it was a lot of fun, and, you know, there, there was a plan fan, fan that, uh, Archer used as a weapon, so he picked up the dude and then, and, like, launched him out at, at Moxley, so that was fun, there was, of course, blood, weapons, forks, everybody was bleeding, there was the low blow, there were lariats, paradigm shifts, more forks. A uh, barbed wire panel set up on a table, and you know, Wrestling 101 is that whoever sets up the table goes through the table, and that is in fact what happened. Uh, Archer powerbomb, uh Moxley through the tables. He was stuck on the barbed wire, so he couldn't disentangle himself, and so he couldn't make the 10 count, and there we have it. So that was the end of, of that uh, AEW um, Five for the Fallen. I'm sorry, Firefest Night 2. We're just going to go through, we're going to skip ahead to last night 2. Uh, fight for the Fallen, um, you know, because why not? So we had a 10-man ta- tag team match, elimination style. It was the elite who came out to the super elite in a, in a Space Jam uh, cross-promotion thing, which was all right. It was a little bit goofy. Later on, the, one of the Bucks tried to uh, dunk a basketball while doing, and you know, a spike pile driver. Hit the pile driver, missed the dunk. All right, as well um but they were good with the you know they had the jerseys on the pinnacle had like matching sweatsuits later on all all part of the space jam thing uh it wasn't too over the top which maybe is a fail for space jam i'm, I'm not sure but you know as someone tuning in for wrestling not for a kids movie i i, I thought it was fine i you know i thought i thought it was hokey but it was fine it, it was entirely appropriate anyway it was kenny the bucks and um uh, gallows and anderson the good brothers against hangman page Stu grayson john silver in his i think his first match back since he was injured alex reynolds and the imposter evil uno um this match got out of control right away and jr basically buried it saying oh what a revolution the refs lost control (laughs) i mean he's got to stop saying stuff like that i mean he's right but I mean, rules are really not AEW's thing. Tony Khan has said so. Our fans don't care. He's right; they don't care. Um, so don't pretend that they do. And and JR, don't say anything about it. this. Was not JR's only botch of the night. He said a few other things, including uh, calling saying that Omega was pinned when he wasn't pinned. There was a clear kickout, and also not recognizing the AEW belt as being a weapon that Omega used. He thought it was the TNA championship. Um, I mean, there are a few belts in there, but he should recognize the one of the company that he works for and sees all the time, and he didn't. Um, So, not a great night for old JR. Anyway, the heels won. Um, This was a fun match. It was 35 minutes, and it basically flew by. I mean, sure, that includes the introductions, but so what? Uh, it wasn't the cleanest match. Uh, Stu Grayson at some point did some sort of corkscrew tope suicide to dive over the ropes, and he missed everybody. Uh, somebody said he hit his head. All I know is every part of him hit floor. He sort of looked like he was off balance. After that, he tried to do a few moves. Uh, ill-conceived, he almost fell off uh, sort of one of those uh, walls between the fans and the, the lower level. Um Anyway, that ended up in being a double uh, count out for Gallows and Stu Grayson, so they were both out. They were actually the the third and fourth people out. Reynolds and Anderson were the, the first two. I think it was actually Anderson and Reynolds. I'm not, I'm not even sure. It doesn't matter. It all happened pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if Gallows didn't get the note or whatever it was, or you know, Grayson was pretending. Uh, you know. I haven't heard anything about Grayson, so hopefully he's okay, too. Hopefully he just got the, knock wind, that the wind knocked out of him or banged his head or, or something, but nothing serious, not a concussion, just one of those things like, ow, I can't believe I did that. Um, but haven't heard anything, so uh, I guess no news is good news. Um, a little bit later on, Evil Uno, the imposter, completely missed a on. They pretended by saying Kenny Omega got his knees up. No, he didn't. <laughs> Evil Uno may have gotten as far as, as Kenny's ankle, so he wouldn't have even had a chance to get his uh, knees up. Um, anyway, Uno got pinned. Uh, we already talked about Miss, the, the Miss Duncan spike pile driver. Um, there was a uh, BTE trigger on Silver, so Silver got uh, pinned out. It was then three on one. Matt Jackson uh, did, t- did take a pin. Uh, Hangman was looking pretty tough, but uh, he kicked out of uh, one belt hit, uh, a triple super kick, a 450. <laughs> um, but uh, I- in any event, you know, with all the confusion, uh, Kenny Omega did hang, hit a hangman with the AEW belt. Uh, it looked like there was a four count, but they called it a two count and hangman kicked out. Then there was two V triggers and a one wing angel on page was pinned. So I guess they protected them pretty well, but now the dark order doesn't get a tag team title shot, at least as a result of this and hangman page lost his title shot as well, um, and lost his number one contendership. Uh, they talked about this at length with the Christian match later on, saying that Christian's undefeated, which would be about 5-0 and or 6-0 and after tonight. Big spoiler, Christian won his match and got the pin. Uh, and they said he was already in the top five, so, you know, I, I don't know what's happening here. Um you know, I don't know if they're going to have a, another route for Hangman to go by, just like we were talking about with Santana Ortiz, or get, if it's like I always say—it's he just has to keep waiting for all the shiny new toys until it's his turn, uh, which may or may never come, may or may not ever come. Um, so we will see about our friend Hangman. Um, crowd likes him, and the crowd was pretty lively in Charlotte. Um, I compared them to the Kansas City crowd for Raw, which was dead the entire night. There were times where the Charlotte crowd seemed dead, but they they livened up, and when they livened up, you could hear them. Uh, unlike Kansas City, who either when they livened up you couldn't couldn't hear them or never livened up. I'm telling you, for that Kansas City crowd, they should have called. They should have brought the Undertaker back that night because that crowd was dead. All right. So we already talked about the Lucha Brothers and Andrade segment. Uh, Andrade also called Pac his little friend, and the groomer was still there. So I, you know, I don't know. This is this is what I like. Any any snobby, fancy clothes, fancy guy who also is a tough guy who can back it up is, you know, that's good by me. Chavo's doing great. The groomer's great. Team Taz with this celebration for the FTW title. You know my feelings on the FTW and Team Taz. There's like a New Orleans jazz line, like band surrounding the ring. Hobbs isn't there. Apparently, he's recruiting. <laughs> I mean, that couldn't have possibly been planned. So, you know, hopefully, he's okay. Um, I don't know what was up with that. I will say this: people are always saying Ricky Stark's star power, charisma. He's got this, that, and the other thing. Okay, guys. I know you're saying, Jeff, you know, don't like him because you're a size. He's a small guy. True. Guilty but I've never really seen a lot of charisma. I mean, I see why people want to see it, but I've never really felt that charisma. I've never really seen the passion. I've never really heard a great promo out of him. I've never really seen a great match. I mean, it's okay, but if you're that small, you should be better. Last night was a great promo. He cut a great promo. This was Ricky Stark's best mic work that I have ever seen. Brian Cage interrupted And instead of going after Team Taz, he beat up the band. Why? No no idea. Is that what Faces do? They beat up the band? They beat up these guys? Um, Now this is—I don't know if this was a botch by JR or a joke, but it was funny either way. Uh, Brian Cage took the the giant drum and you know clobbered it over the drummer's head. You know, so it sort of broke, and you know, sort of like having a garbage can on top of you, like a cartoon scene. And JR said that bass drum has a family. I think he meant the bass drummer has a family, uh, but it's not like saying the bass drum had a family, sort of like it was from like uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, where they're all like living creatures. Anyway, Cage also took the trombone. Looks like he was going to break it. JR took a, like a little dig at that. the New Day. I, I think it was good nature. I don't think it was a shot fired thing, but he said there's no place for trombones in wrestling. Um, anyway, uh Ricky Starks threw orange flowers that he was given at uh, Brian Cage and that of course, you know, neutralized any of Cage's power and the heels ran away. It was, you know, Taz was in an elevated, like basically like DJ platform anyway. It was just Hook who gets smaller and smaller every week. So it was basically Starks and Hooks who retreated. Hook, uh, Hobbs was not there. Brian Cage did not chase them. So this was, I mean, this was a weird segment. Uh, Starks' promo made up for it, and the bass drum line was funny, but the rest it, it was it was just weird. So another foul for Taz. So hashtag file fire Taz continues. Um, we talked about the Tanahashi promo. We talked about FTR versus Santana Ortiz. I didn't mention that Tully and Conan were both there. Um, they this is where commentary continued. The, the teams have a lot in common narrative, which I just I, I don't know. I just think it's patently absurd. It, 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 Even if it's true, it's just not working and it's unnecessary. I, I don't know what it's trying to do. Is it trying to engender sympathy for FTR? Uh, I mean, are they supposed to have a mutual respect story? That doesn't seem to be the case. The Pinnacle has been pretty shitty to Inner Circle, so whatever their upbringings were, I don't think that would make up for it. But, like, if they're going to have a mutual respect angle, can it just be because they're two of the best tag teams In the company, if not the world. So I don't get it. All right. JR said that Conan is one of the smartest men in pro wrestling. Perhaps he is, as far as pro wrestling mind is concerned. Um, But if he's so smart, why does he constantly need GoFundMe's for his medical expenses? I know medical expenses are expensive, but you know. he should have insurance by now even if it's just medicaid um so you know maybe he's got the resources or the wherewithal and he just knows he can go to the atm that our fans and maybe he's the smart one after all but i don't know i don't like it um anyway already told you there was a brain buster FTR pins santana even though cash looked like he was really hurt so we talked about Britt getting hurt in her promo. It indicated that that she was going to get a bodyguard. It wasn't 100% on that, but she said that Reba can't really, she's all over the place. She can't really do her job and they need someone to protect her and they're going to bring someone in. So I assume that's going to be a bodyguard. I don't know who that might be. Um, I don't know if it's going to be male, female. I don't know if it's going to be a new wrestler. I don't know if it's going to be a jj and j security situation. I don't know if it's going to be a new role for, you know, one of the wrestlers on the roster that hasn't really been doing anything, uh, you know, like a turn for a legit Layla Hirsch or a, a big Swole or Diamante, who, you know, uh, you know, any number of the women who, who we never see. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring in someone from the outside or, or you know, if... if you know that would be something that Brian Cage could do when he's done with this this other feud, but I mean, that doesn't make any sense. They're obviously turning him face. So truth is, I don't know, uh, but I am marginally interested in in seeing who this person is if, in fact, I read the story correctly. All right, so we talked about there was another event announced. So they said Tony Khan had a big announcement. It wasn't Tony Khan; it was Tony Schiavone, in fact. And basically, they said that that the second AW Rampage, the first is August 13th, the second one is August 20th, that that's going to be in Chicago and they're calling it First Dance, um, which is a, a play on the Last Dance uh, docu- documentary about Michael Jordan's Bulls. Um, again, gee, I wonder who might be there. So, you know, uh, you know, and, and the crowd knew it. And then we immediately go to a vignette with Darby and Sting and uh, Darby's like, I'll be in Chicago. And I've heard a lot of people call themselves best in the world, and they're going to have to prove it to me, so, something like that. And Sting just stood there looking stoic. So, you know, best in the world, I mean, unless he's talking to Shane McMahon, it sounds like he's talking to CM Punk. So uh, a Darby CM Punk looks to, program looks to be coming? Okay. This particular podcaster thinks that's an odd choice. I mean, A, is Punk coming out as a heel, which is – Certainly possible, but I I don't know how you get over the cheers. The pent up demand for this guy, unless he does something really dastardly right away. I don't know what he could do to to turn those cheers into booze right away. Is Darby turning heel? That could work with Sting? Uh maybe. I don't know. Uh possibly. I would think the Punk's program should be with somebody, frankly, who's less important. I mean, I think Darby needs to win his programs. I think Punk needs to win his programs. Uh, I mean, frankly, this is why you have Matt Hardy there. This is why you have Christian there. Uh, You know, this is something that you could have. Christopher Daniels, who I'm not sure, I know he's not with SCU anymore, but I don't think he's retired. I don't think he's made that formal. Dustin Rhodes, Frankie Kazarian. I mean, this, this is why you have these old, older Uh, veterans on there that can be face or heel any given week uh, and can lose a program, but it's still a respectable program or it's a respectable win. I mean, frankly, you could have Punk go through all of those guys, but it looks like they're going to put Christian into the title picture. Okay. But then they're certainly not putting Dustin into the title picture or are they? You never know. Um, Matt Hardy. No. Right. I mean, I think everyone agrees with that one. Um, Daniels Kazarian, certainly not. I mean, this Kazarian, you know, elite hunter thing is going so well they deported him to impact anyway there's other there's plenty of people on this roster that that have name value that can be sacrificed to punk um and darby uh and have it mean something and and let them win and, and build their AEW bona fides well for punk i mean darby obviously already has All right, so we already talked about the Hikaleo-Archer match. It was neat. It was fun. It was a bit of a slobber knocker. It was a little bit slow. It wasn't the cleanest match. Uh, Hikaleo is a big, tall guy. He's probably about two inches taller than Archer. Archer, they list at 6'8", so Hikaleo might be 6'10". If Archer's really 6'6", Hikaleo's 6'8", whatever it is. Two big guys. Hikaleo is young. He can fill out. He's a skinny 6'10". He's a skinny 290. So... You know in a couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if he was 320, 325 and, and still could uh fill out. Um, so, so sort of like Damian Priest could still fill out, but Damian Priest is 37 years old. Um, Haku came out, that was pretty cool. Um, he got a great reaction, and Haku got himself uh involved in the match. That confused me a little bit because, like I said, I, would, I moved the goal post when I saw Tanahashi, but I'm like. Are they going to have this kid lose in front of his father? But then I saw their heels, and they probably paid Haku, and, you know, and that, that's all fine. So um, the shame of it was the, the commercial timing, and all night the commercial spacing was a little bit weird. But Haku got involved during one of the commercials, so you had to watch the picture-in-picture picture to see it. They did a replay afterwards. I mean, I saw it twice because uh, I take my notes. Oh, by the way, Jake Roberts signed the two-year extension But he wasn't there, and Haku's there. I mean, you'd think that, you know, Jake doesn't get the first week off after signing that two-year extension, but all right. And JR made that Bowling Shoes ugly joke again, which was really funny the first time, but it hasn't been funny the 32 times since. Just like as close as 19 is to 20 wasn't that clever the first time, but keeps getting repeated. Um, Anyway, Archer hit the blackout, he retained. He's going to take on Tanahashi. We already talked about that resurgence in California. I think it's in the. I think the place is called the uh, the LA Torch. Um, so there we go. Uh, Marvez was going to do an interview with Cody. Cody again was in his white suit. So you know what happens when he's in his white suit? That it's Spy versus Spy time. So before anything really gets said, Aleister Black comes out, starts clobbering him. Cody's fi- fighting back. Um, Aleister Black had sort of like half his face painted, sort of emphasize. The the bruising that he's doing on his uh, right eye. Respect, uh, I'm sorry, Malachi Black. I am sorry. Um, you know, I I call myself the Malachi too, so it's hard to acknowledge another. Um, so Malachi Two, Malachi Junior, was doing that. I thought for a second maybe he was wearing like a Phantom of the Opera mask. F- frankly, I think that that would make more sense to do it. One, it storyline, it's protecting the eye. Two. They already have Darby Allen and Thunder Rosa who are wearing half face paint sort of skull patterns on their face. And that's sort of what Alice, uh, Malachi was doing. It was a little bit more faded, um, but nevertheless, that is what it was. Anyway, um, at some point, uh, Malachi uh, just clobbered uh, Cody. He's out. Uh, he's just standing there. There was clearly a delay for the refs and security to get there. Nevertheless, uh, uh, Malachi goes, Welcome to the House of Black, which I thought was a pretty cool line. For whatever reason, Fuego del Sol came out to be the rescuing wrestler. I don't know how many of you know who Fuego del Sol is, but he's probably about five foot six, 145 pounds. And Alistair delivered a black mass that devastated him. Um, you know, fine, but I mean, <laughs> what? why didn't Cody's brother come out? Lee Johnson, uh Brock Anderson, uh you know any of the guns, Billy Gun, Gun, Austin Gun, Colton Gun, any any of the people from the Nightmare family. Not not a single one of them came out. It was Fuego del Sol. So all right. Um already told you the Miro's promo here and the Lee Shotty thing. I, I but I'm going to say it again. I I love everything Miro's doing. This is just fantastic. Uh we had a trios match, Hardy Family Office versus Jurassic Express and Christian. I told you what happened at the end here. I'm not talking about this anymore. This, this, this If there weren't commercials, anything with Hardy Family Office is, is piss break for me. told you about the QT Marshall delay apology. Um, we then had Julia Hart with the Va- Varsity Blondes. Uh, the Varsity Blondes, who aren't really great promo guys, they do the promo for Julia Hart. Uh, so I'm not sure what that's all about, and I don't know why she's getting TV time if she can't cut a promo. I know she's young, but why is she on Dynamite when they have a roster of women? I mean, I named a few before, and I completely, just like the rest of you, I forgot about Riho. I forgot about Shida, who was the champion for like a year. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know what what what's going on there. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say, and my understanding is that they're bringing Emmy Sakura back. Why? We, we don't need the Joshi wrestlers, but if you have the Joshi wrestlers, at least have some of the, the younger ones. Maybe they feel like they need a veteran to coach up some of the, the women, but they're not really doing anything with the women's division. We barely see Jade Cargill on Dynamite, and when she's on Dynamite, it's usually a promo, and it's usually half Mark Sterling speaking, which is odd because she doesn't need any help speaking. She's great. Uh, and maybe she isn't a polished wrestler yet, and I understand that she's been on some of the YouTube shows wrestling, so she's obviously working on that. You know, m- maybe they're bringing in Emmy Sakura to train Jade, but frankly, they're two entirely different kinds of wrestlers. The Joshi style is not the kind of power style that Jade Cargill is going to be doing. I mean, frankly, they'd be better off having her work with Serena Deeb, uh, hire like a, uh, you know... I don't know, Victoria, Beth Phoenix, uh, you know, someone from that school uh, of, you know, the, you know, the tough, strong, you know, uh, you know, monster woman, but she also is a true blue athlete and, um, you know, could probably mix in some of the athleticism too. I mean, you know, we've compared her to, a, you know, a female Goldberg before and he could, you know, he could, do leapfrogs and, and he was pretty quick. Now he wasn't a great wrestler and hopefully she'll be, you know, she, she can be better in the art form itself. Um, but she doesn't need a lot of moves. I, so I don't know. I'm just speculating there. I, I just, I, I don't see anything in the Josie wrestling style period. I don't like Saray and NXT though. She had that one move that was pretty killer, um, but don't dig it. Uh, and I don't see any need to import wrestlers, from Japan into AEW into a women's division when there are plenty of women on their roster that could use that time. I mean, what, what happened to Red Velvet? I mean, what what did she do wrong? Um, so anyway, uh, enough about that. They don't care that much about their women's division, so neither should I. Um, it'll be interesting to see though what they do with uh, broken-wristed Brit, if they have to strip her of the title or, or what's happening. Uh, anyway, Julia Hart fought Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa won. They made a big deal that 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 she's number one ranked, and she's now has an exclusive contract with AEW. Uh, that of course means TV. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they'll center the impact like she went a couple weeks ago uh, before she signed this contract. I don't know if they'll continue to let her working with NWA. Uh, I, my guess is no, um, but I'm sure she can still work with Mission Pro and the Indies, just like. Uh, you know, almost all of the other AEW wrestlers can work. I mean, even Lance Archer, you, you'll, if you look hard enough, you'll find them on Indie cards. Uh, Brian Cage is all over the place. So anyway, most of you probably know that, but if you don't, you know, just go onto wrestling Twitter and follow a, a few random promotions and a few random wrestlers. And I mean, you won't stop getting the ads and you'll see that, that all of these wrestlers have freedom to, to work largely, uh, yeah, outside of the WWE NXT folks, of course. Um, Moxley cut that promo I told you about, about the, you know, he was talking about the forbidden door open and he doesn't care about the forbidden door and they should worry about him coming through it and he's sending those contracts to Japan. And like I said, I, I don't really know what it was all about. Um, the lead in was really that he was supposed to be talking about, it sounded like he was supposed to be addressing something else, but it sounded like his promo was about whatever he wanted it to be, or maybe it was just the best segue they could come up with. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't a bad promo. It just, uh, I, I don't know what it means that if moxley isn't going to japan for some period of time it didn't make any sense period um and knowing what's going on in japan how seriously they take covid and again i'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing i'm not I i don't know if they're overreacting or underreacting they're certainly overreacting compared to the u.s um but you know i don't know how easy it is to get into that country now for you know you know, even for the Olympics, there's like barely any fans there, if at all. And they're having a heck of a time of with COVID spreading in the Olympics. I, I can't see them letting an American pro wrestler in. Um, not anytime soon. So I don't know. More to come. All right. Painmaker Jericho uh, going against Nick freaking Gage, who comes in immediately with a pizza slicer. There's blood immediately. MJF is a commentary. They're using the fluorescent bowls. We got Floyd the back. We had a pane of glass set up over two chairs. Uh, you think that uh, Nick Gage is going to put Jericho through it, but no, Jericho does a Hurricane Rana. By the way, he, off the top rope, which, by the way, he did um, last week also. And last week, everyone's going, wow. Last week was pretty sloppy. Last night's was actually better. It was, it, I mean, it wasn't the greatest, prettiest one you've ever seen, but it was perfectly good. It was perfectly, you know, perfectly good. Very impressive, especially for a 50-year-old guy. And Nick Gage went right through that, and the and the. I mean, I'm sure it's prop glass, but it, uh, you know, protective glass, but it splattered and they sold it. There was a two count. Jericho used the the mist, which JR said was Muda mist. It looked clear, not green to me, but what do I know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate to talk about COVID too much, but I wouldn't be shooting mist. It. You know, anything involving spit and liquid into anyone's face during this era, vaccinated or not vaccinated. And that just seems like a ill-conceived idea anyway he used it so i'm reporting it um he then used like it was a batch of four fluorescent tubes sort of uh uh, bound together and then the the judas effect so jericho won of course he won i mean he's not gonna lose labor too and then mjf you know he's screaming he's running up the ramp he's got a mic he's very angry and he sort of hits play on an old segment from a couple years ago, well, it can't be a couple of years ago, but I think it was sort of when Jericho and MJF were not getting along. It was before the he got into the inner circle, but probably building up to that story. So it was probably November, December of 2019. They might have even said it. Uh, anyway, it was a scene where uh, Jericho said to MJF, you know, I. You know, while your parents were making you, they were probably getting excited watching me beat Juventud Guerrero on Nitro or on, on Monday nights or something. And then MJF in that segment said, "Who's Juventud Guerrero?" And Jericho in that segment said, "Google it." So then we cut to back to live, and MJF goes, "You know what? I did Google it, and he's your biggest rival. And your your stipulation next week in your Third Labor is that the winner can only win by." making a move off the top rope, and your opponent is Juventus Guerrero. Okay, so you had Nick Gage, which, like him or not like him, he is big in deathmatch scenes, and they just gave a deathmatch. You might not like deathmatches. It's not my favorite thing. I don't go out of my way to watch death matches, but I'll watch one once in a while. And this was a fun match. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. So... I mean, I'm surprised that they did it because I was at full gear in November of 19 with the uh, hardcore match, allegedly, between Moxley and Omega. And I heard all the fans being squeamish and for weeks people were talking about, oh, it was so brutal, was so brutal. No, it wasn't. It was barely anything. This was much worse than that. Frankly, Dustin and Cody, the first the, the, the from the first all out, I mean, that was a, a, a bloody mask, a, you know, a waterfall of blood on Dustin's face. Um but anyway, aside from my confusion with that, this this match was what you would have wanted. This is what you would have expected in a death match, you know. Uh, and then to go from this sort of explosion, this this demolition derby, this this beautiful car wreck, giving you exactly what you wanted. This this you know or, or, you know blood everywhere to Juventud Guerrero. Uh, I mean, that's it's like the order is wrong. Um, I mean, I'm glad that it wasn't the predictable, you know, there's four members of the uh, pinnacle before MJF, so he had to go through Spears, and then Cash, and then Dax, and then Wardlow as the final boss, um, but Juventud Guerrero is sort of like a fizzle, like the exploding deathmatch fizzle, so that, the ending wasn't great, but the show was fun, Um I have to say that I'm starting to fear that the final labor, the fourth labor, will be a handicap match, Paul White and Mark Henry versus Jericho. So I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many of these outside guys they're going to bring in and how many stories they can go with it. Um, Anyway, uh, like I said, I was a little bit disappointed by that. Um, All right. Speaking about disappointment, Raw already told you about the Kansas City crowd the crowd is, is not behind Nikki Ash as the, the champion, you know, the few little kids get excited, but I mean, the crowd wasn't really excited about anything, but I mean, she had a promo it was dumb. Basically, this outfit gives her confidence and she believes that she can win anything. Charlotte interrupts her, say, I want to rematch at SummerSlam. Uh, Rhea interrupts her, says, no, it should be me at SummerSlam. The officials come out to Sonya Deville's music. and. You know, one of the better stories in WWE was Sonya Deville sort of being the agent provocateur, undermining Adam Pearce, sometimes subtly, sometimes overtly. That stopped because, of course, it's a good story. You know, it's it's interesting. Now they're on the same page. So that, that's not good. Anyway, they say it's official. It's going to be a triple threat match at SummerSlam for the title. So Charlotte's got her match, right? And rio has got a match. So everyone should be happy. Nope. Charlotte uh, can beat Nikki at any time. Nikki challenges her. Charlotte accepts. It's a non-title match. That's going to be the main event. Um, We then see that now WWE used this term three times tonight or not tonight, Raw. They said a contenders match. It means nothing. It meant nothing. What's a contenders match? Usually you think of like the number two and the number one contender battle for who's the number one contender or the number three and number two contenders or or people who are put themselves in the mix or fighting to see who gets the next shot. No, this was Damian Priest challenging Sheamus, who's already the champion. So it was just a non-title match. Um, anyway, the story was uh, Sheamus's nose. Damian Priest uh, landed a kick. Sheamus's mask went flying. He was worried more about his nose than anything else. Priest hits the Reckoning, and then even though this is called a championship contenders match, commentary goes, Damian Priest has to be in the conversation now. What? He's in the conversation? Wasn't this a contenders match? I mean, so, you know, one for one means nothing. Next match, AJ and Almost against the Viking Raiders for their rematch. I don't know why they get a rematch. The Vikings were working as heels. The crowd clearly likes AJ and Omos more, but AJ and Omos are... are Still titularly the heels, and they acted like it later on, but the story was almost dominating the Vikings. Um, AJ took, like, the hot tag, almost like uh, big money Matt Hardy was doing with Private Party when they were first showing, when they first started that angle, and they abandoned it. Um, but almost didn't seem to mind, and, and AJ did a springboard 450 for the finisher the only reason I mentioned that is because I don't remember him using that as a finisher anytime recently. He didn't do the styles clash. He didn't do the phenomenal forearm. uh, You know, I don't think he hit the wrong angle. It's possible that that the Viking was down and was supposed to get up, and so he just uh, adjusted. Who knows? But, you know, it looked good. Uh, It just was noteworthy. We had a Drew promo yawn. Jinder comes out with Veer, not Shanky, because Shanky is still recovering from the severe beatdown of the chairs. There was another guy who they uh, uh, introduced as the attorney, and the attorney is going to sue Drew, not for destroying Jinder's motorcycle, his collectible, classic, custom-made motorcycle, whatever it was, but because he beat up Shanky with the chair in wrestling. Okay. Um, Anyway, the match is Veer versus Drew. Um, it was all right. Veer, Veer's not terrible. He just sort of has like a sort of a sort of a minor league look. Um, you know, he's sort of big and thick. Like you wouldn't want to fight with him in a bar. But it, he's not Drew McIntyre. He's not even Ginger. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not quite seeing it. I, I do like the paint on his forehead though. That's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Ginger introduces a chair in, into the match. Uh, Veer is going to use it, but Drew Claymore's a chair which hits Veer. There was a DQ. Uh, apparently, th- there was confusion between the ref and commentary. I'm not even 100% sure who won. It really doesn't matter because none of this matters. We all know that Drew is fighting gender, um, But they said that Veer was disqualified, but then they said Drew was disqualified uh, for using the chair. I don't know why that is. He didn't bring it in. His hands didn't use it. So I don't know. Maybe they'll clear it up or maybe they just go, Fuck you. Um, anyway, Drew dragged the lawyer into the ring. Obviously, he's a performance center guy, and he beat up the lawyer, gave a claim or to the lawyer, and, you know, the crowd was supposed to be going wild, but the crowd didn't go wild for anything, and I took personal offense to commentary talking about how everyone hates the lawyers. You know, without without lawyers, it would be, you know, Nietzsche, Nietzsche's rules would rule. It would be like Lord of the Flies, but, you know, but nobody thinks about that. I mean, it's not like we hire our own cases, you know. We we get hired because people do bad things to other people. Sorry. You know, you don't you don't talk about bad plumbers or bad insurance salesmen or bad landscapers. Um, you know, just because they're doing service. Okay, I'm digressing. Eva and Dewdrop against Natty and Tamina. This was also called the contenders match. Well, I mean, it's it's not even clear that if Eva and DoDrop win, that they get a title match against Natty and Samina. That's the inference, but that was not the lesson we learned from Priest and Sheamus just about 30 minutes earlier. Uh, anyway, good part of this segment is that Dewdrop was playing with her hair a lot like uh, Eva Marie does, so that was funny. But this was a clumsy, clumsy match. Um, there was a point where... Obviously Natty got hurt. She had to be helped out of the ring. Uh, They haven't reported on the injury yet, or I haven't seen it, but she was helped out by both uh, what I presume to be part of the medical staff or a trainer. And then Tamina sort of rushed over and, and, you know, put her other arm over Tamina's neck and shoulder. And they were, they were, you know, doing that, the the double crossover arm, you know, uh, assisted walk and, and Natty wasn't putting any weight on her foot. Anyway, the, the, Key part of this match was on the screen. You had a spoof on the Evolution story with Lily, Lily playing the role of Ava and doing Lily Lucian. Um, I may be one of the only people in the world who finds this amusing. I did find this amusing. <laughs> I think everything's funny about Lily and it, and it costs uh, them the match. So even with an injured Natty, the champs retained. I don't know what this is going to do in this division that has about three teams total between two shows, um, and no real teams to be found. And Mandy is back in NXT, and Dana Brooke was rumored to be pregnant, which hasn't been confirmed, but nobody's seen her in a, a couple of weeks. Anyway, Lily Lucian, I'm for it. So, we then have Karrion Cross. Again, not a lot of smoke. He's out before the music. No Scarlet. So mistake, mistake, mistake. Again, repeated. Um, He was wearing those gladiator, uh, I don't even know what you call them, but over over his tights uh, or shorts. Um, And then against Keith Lee. Um, Cross got no reaction from the Kansas City crowd. I'll say it again. Nobody really got a reaction from the Kansas City crowd, but that's not great. The no reaction two weeks in a row, no booze, no nothing. Keith Lee got a nominally better reaction. Um, it was audible, you could hear something. Um, it wasn't great, but again, Kansas City. Um, Keith Lee lost. I mean, this was not exactly a squash match, but it was maybe uh, one and a half steps above a squash match. I mean, Keith Lee's thing seems to be that he's not letting the, the finishers, like, he didn't let the, the hurt lock go in. Uh, he broke the cross jacket once. Um, he did his pounce. They didn't call it a pounce, maybe because they're waiting for Braun to come back and take the pounce. But cross hit a side, it aside to a suplex. He hit that uh, base of the skull, uh, forearm, and then hit the cross jacket a second time. And and Keith Lee tapped out though. That even that was awkward. It it was weird. So I don't know what's going on with Keith Lee. And by the way, he said on Twitter, he said in a couple of weeks I'm going to tell my story. I'm like, I don't know what you've been waiting for, dude, but tell it i mean people are worried you're back in the ring so obviously it's not all bad um you know we haven't seen mia yim she's supposed to be on smackdown you know frankly they could give her a tag team partner i mean lord knows smackdown could use some more bodies show could raw by the way um but this was weird but i guess somebody had to lose and you know Maybe there's a story here. Maybe the story is that Keith Lee's gonna have a losing streak. You know, he, he got hit hard by whatever his ailment was, and he's working his way through it. Then he knows it's gonna be struggle, but he's gonna fight through it. Um, you know, cross, I think, needed the win. By the way, there was the story came out that cross was supposed to lose another time to Jeff Hardy, and then they were gonna roll out Scarlett. I mean, I mean, you think after the reaction to the first one, they would have changed those plans. Uh, I mean, you cannot say good thing jeff hardy got COVID. that's a horrible thing to say but good thing that plan did not go to fruition the, the reason it didn't happen is terrible um and you know and hopefully the story was wrong too but it's been reported a lot so i don't know what WWE is thinking um you know you know i'm sure the apologists will say well yeah you know he's going to lose twice cleverly and and cross was playing off saying Yeah, well, the only way to survive me is to use trickery and so good on Jeff Hardy, but it won't happen again. So if it did happen again, I mean, they would just build to the ultimate, you know, shellacking, the clobbering of Jeff Hardy. But I don't know. Just dumb. Anyway, this was the right choice. And like I was saying, maybe the story with Keith Lee is that he keeps losing, even though he feels like he's in ring shape and getting there. Maybe he breaks and turns heel. I know some people, including myself, at some points have said, you know, put him with the hurt business and then eventually, you know, you can split them up and then you can you know go for the title i don't know uh right now he just doesn't seem like you know it seems like there might be ring rust maybe he's gassed maybe you know it, it maybe a lot of things um but i think the cross needed the win more than keith lee this particular week but uh, putting those two together i mean i think they both sort of needed wins maybe it's just I'm more of a cross fan than a lee fan uh but that's only by certain degrees, because I really like Keith Lee. I have and I had and have high hopes for him. Um, so we'll see. I think, you know, WWE booking is head scratching. I did not enjoy Raw at all. Um, we saw Nikki Ash and Rhea. Rhea is trying to be a face now. She's not trying very hard. Her character is in very different, it's tweaked a little. She sort of smiles deviously less. She's a little bit less, like, sort of bitchy and condescending. Um, She did the face thing, as, you know, to Nikki saying, you know, I'm going to beat you for the title, but tonight I very much want you to beat Charlotte, something like that. Um, Mason T-Bar came out. They had a tag team match against Mansoor and Ali, so we had three of the four former members of Retribution. Um, Anyway, Mason T-Bar work really well together. They are really good tag team. They're really intimidating. They could be a centerpiece of a tag team division. They, they could be a team that's in the mix that has four title runs over the next five or six years of varying degrees of length. But Monday night, the story was Mansoor and Ali, and Ali got a roll up. Uh, so Ali and Mansor won. Uh, so two guys that maybe between them weigh 310 pounds. Lost to two guys who probably each weigh 290 pounds. All right. Swell. So that's terrific. Um, Best part of the night, Smashley with MVP. He's not interested in Goldberg at all. He shouldn't be. Goldberg's done nothing to deserve this match in storyline in wwe canon just walking up to someone and saying i'm next that's not the way it works you want to laugh about the AEW rankings and how they don't mean anything as much as you want sometimes you're right sometimes you're wrong but at least there are rankings at least they try uh at least when the rankings don't count usually it's because there's a casino battle royal or a gauntlet or or, or some other type of challenge some some type of match to get to hotshot someone into that position in wwe you either attack the the champ from behind, or you just walk up to them if if you've been retired long enough, or if you're a part-timer, and say, my turn, and that does it. Anyway, MVP and Lashley were interrupted by Cedric, who's screeching and screeching. Luckily, he gets interrupted by Shelton, who points out that Cedric's voice is really annoying and that he screeches, and this is true. Cedric looks like he's growing his hair out a little bit. Uh, I think what he should do is get a bow tie and get Urkel glasses, and with that voice, Uh, adopt an Urkel character and go, did I do that? Um, Anyway, they're both challenging Lashley individually. Didn't they already do this a few months ago, and didn't they both lose matches? Yes, they did. The answer is yes. After they got extricated from the her business, they they had solo matches and they both lost those solo matches. Anyway, Lashley says, "I'll take them on. I accept. I'll take them on both. Two on, two against one." So there was a, a handicap match. It was a squash. Lashley beat them both. It was fabulous. This was the best part of the match. Uh, we then have Miz and Morrison who account encounter AJ and Omos. If there was any doubt, if AJ and Omos are faces, not they're not. AJ had a uh, had a proposal for Miz and Morrison, and Omos blocked the camera so you couldn't hear. How they were whispering and plotting and scheming uh we then find out that it's matt riddle against morrison um you know they did the obligatory you know kick uh Miz over uh while he's in the wheelchair and he can't get up you know the, the turtle thing yuck yuck i mean once is sort of funny doing it every week this is this is dumb uh morrison who was having a little bit of a hot streak um you know, uh, I don't know if he's benefiting from Miz's actions, but anyway, the tag champs walk down to distract Riddle. Um, for whatever reason, they walk over to the to the far corner, sort of like where the the timekeeper is and the ring announcer stand. I don't know why they didn't sort of like surround the three quadrants of the ring. You have AJ in one place, you got the Miz's wheelchair in one place, and you have almost uh, you know on the other side. But they did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. At some point, almost took the took. A Riddle scooter, and he broke it. This has to be about the third or fourth scooter of, of Riddle's that was broken. He's very upset. And with that distraction, Morrison got the win, hit his finisher. So Morrison with the win over Riddle. Um, these guys work pretty well together, and I don't know what's going on with Orton. Orton hasn't been on ever since there was rumors of him saying uh, he's an anti baxer uh, There's been all sorts of stories ever since. Nothing confirmed, but he hasn't been on TV or pay-per-view in, what, five, six weeks now, and no news. If whatever is going on with Orton is more long-term Morrison and Riddle actually have a kind of chemistry. And I think they would be an interesting team and they're both sort of like, you know, the, the beach guys, but with a similar, but very different vibe, like ones with a surfer and ones more like the, you know, the, the glamor party guy, but I I think it could work anyway. It's, it's not going to happen or at least no time soon. Um, AJ runs into the ring. He gives a beatdown on Riddle. He applies the Styles Clash. Uh, Randy Orton doesn't come out for the rescue. No one comes out for the rescue. Riddle apparently has no friends, even though everyone seems to like him. Um, We then have R-Truth come out for a 24-7 title match uh, against Reginald in the ring. So listen, as bad as this crap is, this is an improvement. At least it's a match in the ring. we know we're in trouble, though, when our Truth is mic'd up, and it doesn't take the mic off for the match, and Reginald comes out in the suit. So you know it's going to be a yuck-yuck kind of thing, and Truth is, you know, saying things the whole time. Uh, you know, this is the same type of match that, that Reginald had with the women, where he was basically doing flips and dives and, you know, acrobatics to avoid Truth's offense. At some point, Truth gets behind him and pulls his coat jacket over his, um, on his sleeves, you know, to sort of immobilize him. And... I think Reginald was supposed to seamlessly slip out of the jacket uh, through a move, but it may have been upside down or whatever it was. It took too long. But anyway, he he slipped out of the jacket sleeves. R-Truth goes, Oh, you're going to come out of the jacket like that, which I didn't know that was a thing. And then R-Truth threw the, the jacket at Reginald's face. And it was sort of like Frank Drebin in the naked gun where the pillow hits him. And it's, and it's like, he's like, he's got an octopus attached to his face. He's like, Oh, and like that, that, Jacket, that suit coat jacket had to be on his face for I don't know. It felt like thirty seconds before he finally took it off. Anyway, this was dumb, but Reginald hit I, I don't know what. It's like some sort of flip, you know, butt pounce, Um centon of some sort, whatever. It was, he got a pinfall over our R- truth. The job train ran in. It was Carillo, uh, one of the Lucha House Party guys, Tazawa, maybe Drew Gulak. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure. It, you know, no ricochet. That that much I can tell you. Um, but he did his flips and his dives and, uh, and he escaped and he does, you know, backflips like a high school cheerleader up the ramp to get away. So yeah, he's very agile, but he's, you know, he's, he's not that great at this wrestling thing. If they're going to keep the 24, 24, seven title, I suppose this is okay, but, but it's not okay. I mean, they shouldn't have the 24, seven title. This is, it, it was garbage basically from week three forward. If it was ever not, but at least it was new for a little bit. But the comedy is bad. Um, Plus the comedy with Morrison and Miz, which is also bad. Uh, There's only so much bad comedy you should have on a show. There's only so much comedy, period, you should have on on a wrestling show. And some of the comedy should be like The Rock did comedy, like he's insulting people. It's in the promo, like MJF does it. It's comedy, but it's also heel work or promo work. This is just yuck, yuck comedy. Um, Anyway, didn't love this. I don't expect you would either. The main event, Charlotte versus Nikki Ash. They called this also a championship contender match. Uh, Charlotte correctly points out that Ash is ridiculous. Anyway, listen. Charlotte reverses a top rope crossbody for a clean pinfall victory. So Charlotte gets the win. Uh, Nikki challenges Charlotte to a rematch. And Charlotte's like, yeah, I can beat you any day of the week. So sure. Uh, I'll... I'll take you on next week for whatever reason, Nikki, the almost superhero who's completely stupid decides to adhere to the ring of honors code of honor and goes to shake Charlotte's hand. Charlotte shakes her hand, but while, but she pulls Nikki into a left cross, hits her in the face, a couple of high boots. Um, she takes her outside of the ring and, and basically you know, says to fans, is this your superhero? Is this your superhero? Is this who you admire? And, um, the only thing charlotte didn't do here i'm you know she laid her out and she was posing and that's how the show went off but i would have liked to see more brutality i would have seen like to see her work on that knee some and then do you know sort of like the figure four uh hanging off of the turnbuckle off of the the ring the ring corner uh, like she did with rio or at least do a um the figure eight uh and not let go something like that there was there was none of that but it, th- this was okay i mean you know uh, for all of Raw, we had Lashley, we had Charlotte, and a couple of other highlights. Uh, that was about it. That will take us to NXT. What a relief. NXT was so much better than Raw. I mean, I heard people complaining about NXT. Uh, what? Did you not watch Raw? I mean, if you didn't, I still don't know what you're complaining about, because so it was pretty good. Um, anyway, Samoa Joe resigned as the enforcer, but he, uh, you know, he had a piece of paper for Regal to sign, and then he had another paper. Pay, uh, paper for Regal to sign uh, for him to be reinstated on the roster as a full-time wrestler, and then he had yet another contract to face Karrion Cross at TakeOver, um, which the, the camera was too close to the contract because it's the most ridiculous-looking contract thing you've ever seen. It looks like something that you that your teacher gave you in third grade work. Um, anyway, there was a, a match that nobody cared about uh, with Pete Dunne versus... I, I don't know. It, it was Pete Dunn and Oni Lorcan against Thatcher and Ciampa. Um, and nobody cares about Dunn and Lorcan. People do care about Champa and Thatcher. They're pretty interesting. Um, but the story here is that Ridge Holland returned and beat up the good guys. And so now it seems like it's the brand 2.0. Uh, I don't know when Birch's timetable is. Obviously, Pat McAfee uh, is not part of them anymore, or at least... Not so far. He's a commentator on SmackDown. I don't see him pulling double duty, but it was good to see Rich Holland. He looked impressive. Uh, there's a couple of other people down in the Performance Center who sort of have the same type of look and uh, could easily fit in here. Uh, you know, uh, Rick Brockenmiker or Rick, Rick or <laughs> Rick Steiner's son. Uh, and Parker Boudreaux, of course. I, you know, I don't know how far along they are in their training, but uh, that could all work. Uh, we got a promo with uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, the NXT Women's Champion, basically saying that, you know, she has no been challenged, but nobody's coming for her. There's nobody who's ready to face her. She doesn't have a challenger for Takeover, and Dakota Kai was basically like, "Yeah, I'm so proud. My best friend is has this title, and nobody can can face her. Nobody even stands a chance. As long as I have your back, you're going to be the champion." And then there's some posing by Raquel Gonzalez. And out of the side of the camera angle comes Dakota Kai, and she does a like a Huluma kick. And so she turns. So we finally got the turn. Um, everyone was expecting it. There really wasn't any overt teasing of it. Um, so it was well done. Um, we are learning that Walter is facing Ilya Dragunov at Takeover. So the NXT UK title is going to be defended at Takeover. So that's neat. Um, the Robert Stone brand continues to suffer, uh, you know, uh, because of Robert Stone's mistakes. Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea lost to k Dance Factory. That's Kaden uh, Carter and Katie Catanzaro. I made up the K&K Dance Factory team name. They should use it, though, because it's awesome. Uh, there were a series of vignettes on NXT with Eli Drake and Cameron Grimes at a golf course. And... I didn't love the first time they did the comedy bit but it was better the second time and and this tuesday night was fantastic every part of it was good except ted DiBiase drove up too quickly and gave cameron grimes a pep talk but you should see it this was really funny their chemistry is great their timing is great the grizzled young veterans were playing behind them and however you know sort of nothingville they are they even worked in this role so obviously we're gonna have this tag team that everyone on earth predicted of Eli Dr- I'm sorry, LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. And it looks like their first challengers will be the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was good comedy. Uh, Cameron Grimes had these ridiculous socks on. So, but Teddy Nibiasi gave him a pep talk, but I, I guess the Butler stip was only for 30 days. I didn't remember being only 30 days and I haven't looked to confirm it. I've, I've heard that in a couple places. I should have independently sourced it, uh, but I guess, uh, but I guess it couldn't have been forever. But the 30 days I re- I remember distinctly was for Chuck Taylor with with Miro. Uh I don't remember 30 days here. I don't remember any sort of tight timetable. So we'll see. You can email us at ha- uh, Hammerlock Hangover or tweet us at uh, at Hammerlock Hangover um, or uh, Steve at at Big Daddy Cool or me at, at Icarus Fell MD. Um, in any event. Uh, we also had a match between Imperium and Hit Row uh, because of Legato and uh, Santos Escobar's distractions. Uh, Imperium got a win over Hit Row. So that's actually okay. I'm I'm all right with it. It was over the distraction. Uh, you don't want to rush this feud. We know what's going there. There was a, a beatdown. Um, the Legato guys, they were trying to go on Top dollar, but but you know he was sort of brushing them off as flies. Uh, but they did, but when he turned around, uh, Santos Escobar in his suit did a, a drop kick from the top rope, um, top turnbuckle. And then Legada guys did like a double uh, thrust kicks to his head, synchronized. sort of like the, the Young Bucks do. Um, and uh, it was good. This whole thing was good. Um, we also learned that uh, Dexter Loomis. Uh, drew a picture of him replacing Austin theory in the way family Austin theory hasn't been heard from. Uh, they're not really sure how to find a, a runaway boy. Um, I don't know if he's running away to the main roster. He's been on dark matches. Um, but you know, the Indy was all about Dexter replacing, uh, Austin in the way Candace and Johnny, you know, the, the disgruntled parents want nothing to do with it. And, There's going to be a love-her-or-lose-her match between Gargano and Dexter Loomis. So if Loomis wins, I guess he gets to go out with Gargano's wrestling daughter. Maybe he gets to join the way. Uh, Obviously, if Gargano wins, which he clearly won't, Loomis uh, will not be able to date Indy uh, and and, uh, join the way. Uh, We then had Bronson Reed versus Adam Cole. Bronson Reed lost. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Bronson Reed. I don't know what the plans for him were. Um, I don't know if, if they're going to bring him up to the main roster. He did some dark matches too, or if he's just going to be sort of bouncing around in NXT. Um, as I confessed to Steve last week, I used to be a Bronson Reed fan, but now I I don't know what I saw. It just it's it's like it's like a complete reversal. I I see nothing in, in him anymore. Anyway once Adam Cole won, Kyle O'Reilly ran in and basically did a heel beat down and was like basically choking him out with a chair. So they can't seem to separate Cole and O'Reilly. They don't want to. Um, I didn't even tell you about the diamond mine match. Cause nobody cares about the diamond mine match. Um, but the diamond mine lost. Uh, uh, you know, Bobby fish is facing Roderick strong either next week. Yeah. Next week on the, the next sci-fi. So, uh, next week's sci-fi card looks like they're, they're not even trying to, to get any numbers. It's just, They're just phoning it in and waiting for takeover, or at least that's what it looks like. Um, so anyway, Cole and O'Reilly, look forward to that. If you like that pairing, you're not sick of it, I guess you'll enjoy it. But I don't know, None of these guys outside Undisputed Era have been doing anything, and I'll, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right. SmackDown. There were some dark matches. Zayly Zayly beat Alaya Alaya from uh, both from NXT on a dark match. Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, had a match on a dark match, uh, and Austin Theory had a dark match. I'm not sure if Davy Boy and Austin Theory faced each other, but um, there were fans. There were lots of them. There were 14,500 fans, uh, in fact. Um, but I, I will. I will say that uh, they also had the cross promotion with the rolling thunder. There were two matches there. uh, Gable uh, versus Dawkins. Dawkins won. Bianca Belair versus Carmelo on a title match. Why? I don't know. There was a minor wardrobe malfunction. I mean, you know, you could sort of tell that they were fiddling with the outfit. But I mean, it's not like anything happened on live TV that you could see pervs. Carmella lost as she should have, Bianca won in five minutes. The crowd didn't seem like they cared about wrestling. I guess it was worth a try. I've heard from people that um, that, that the crowd was sort of quiet all night long. It was a long festival, you know, or maybe just the acoustics because it was an outside facility, outside venue, that that it was sort of, the sound was diffused. Whatever it was, um, it it didn't seem like, you know, it, it wasn't Rolling Thunder, it was more like rolling Tesla electric car. Um, in any event, uh, the the rest of the, uh, SmackDown, I mean, the, the thing of note was that Finn Balor beat Sami Zayn, challenged Roman Reigns, uh, Roman Reigns had declined, um, John Cena's challenge but he accepted Finn Balor. So that was a little bit interesting. And Roman actually, you yeah, know, not actually, but Roman had a good promo. I mean, he's been great, he's, you know. Uh, I know everyone thinks he's the biggest star wrestling and they're right. Um, they think he's the most dominant champion in wrestling. He looks it, but no, he's not. Lashley is. Lashley has been the most dominant guy. He's had the most squash matches. I mean, Roman, I mean, yet sure, MVPs interfered in a couple of Lashley's matches and Lashley's had a couple of fluke losses. Um, but Romans, you know, I mean, it's been pretty rare where he hasn't had to rely on one or both of the Usos. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's, yeah, this is unimportant, unimportant. You can't see me, but I'm wearing my almighty hurt business, uh, shirt, uh, unapologetically pro Lashley. Again, founding principle of this show is pro Lashley. Um, Tony Storm uh, won her debut match against Zelina Vega. I guess she's paying some price for her misbehavior. By the way, Andrew Yang tweeted something today, and I, and I've done this before, um, but I said something to like he. I don't even know what he was talking about. Something I said something. Well, now that the second electorate has said no thanks, uh, why don't you turn your attention back to? Uh, getting fair labor conditions in wrestling like you said you were going to. Now, you know that I'm two-faced on this, because I've already said, uh, and anyone who can do math knows that the economics doesn't work for wrestling and unionization or gilding or anything like that. In fact, the only company that could probably survive it is WWE. Maybe AEW, if if Tony Khan wanted to go into his personal fortune even more than he already has, forever. Um, But... No other promotion could or would do it. No indies could do it. Uh, and you'd probably find a lot of, I mean, really outlaw mud shows because you'd have people doing unsanctioned, you know, match shows, backyard shows and things like that. That would become the, the norm. Uh, in any event, he actually responded to me. He never responds to me. And he said, I'm working on it. So, all right, so uh, Andrew Yang apparently is working on it. What does that mean? I don't know. I responded I and say, you know, what are your details? I just said, I said, uh, very good. I'll, I'll be watching you or something like that, or, or I'll be or looking forward to seeing something. Whatever it was. But uh, got a response from Andrew Gang and apparently he at least titterly has not forgotten about the wrestling issue. So, you know, I'll keep on it, because, you know, I'm sort of that kind of crazy. Um, I really don't want to talk about the rest of SmackDown. I don't think it, you know, they were, we already talked about what was important. I have to be honest with you there's been what three appearances of John Cena on TV and the pay-per-view I wasn't particularly impressed with them um, and each one gets less interesting is anyone else sort of sick of Cena already not really that into his return uh, I, I'm not all that interested in it um, so I don't know I, I I'm not sure if I'm alone in that. Uh, but I doubt I will be soon. Um, it, it's just it's, It just ain't doing it for me. I don't know what to tell you. All right, let's go into some other news, financial news. WWE, a couple big announcements. One, they had their second quarter earnings. Basically, they made $265.6 million this quarter. That is up 19%, which equals $42 million more than they made last quarter. So they keep breaking records. Now they had a paper loss one of these quarters because they like they took all their expenses and in, in like uh, like uh, infrastructure like uh, the new building and and like every loss they could take they they, they took in the same quarter. Um, but basically they made forty two million dollars more this quarter than last quarter. Just to give you some perspective between both shows, gross, AEW gets a about 42 or $45 million a year from TNT, which is nothing to sneeze at. But this was one quarter of more profit. In other news, Peacock is expanding to Europe. Now, my understanding of the original deal was that Peacock in Europe wouldn't matter. You know, I don't even know was contemplated, but WWE Network would still be in Europe, that the Peacock-WWE relationship was exclusive to the U.S., well, it turns out it was exclusive, but it isn't anymore. That the Peacock um, is owned by Comcast, as you know, and Comcast also owns Sky in Europe, and they're going to be providing Peacock for free to Sky subscribers, just like they do to Comcast subscribers, of which I'm one uh, here. So people who have Sky will be getting Peacock for free, which means more eyes. So, I mean, we know that the business model with WWE now has nothing to do with selling pay-per-views. Uh, it doesn't even have to do with the network. Uh, we're, we're not even sure that the network was making money or if it was, it probably was more trouble than it was worth. Um, I think that it wasn't making money uh, as fact. I, I mean, I think we actually went into this a couple of times. Either way, it doesn't matter. They're, they're gonna be in so many more households now. You know, They wanna sell merch, they want eyes. I would expect a European tour to be announced, you know, two or three months. Uh, You know, uh, probably a few weeks before the rollout and then the tour will actually go into effect, you know, two months afterwards when they when they start to pick up viewers and after they uh, blitz the advertisement uh, all throughout the EU. uh, And and I'm not sure if Sky is just EU or also Britain as well. Um, But those are two bitty, pretty, pretty big news items. I mean, I guess you could say that WWE is going to lose network revenue from European subscribers. There really aren't that many. I think at its height there were like 1.6 million subscribers to WW Network, and at least 1.1 million of them were in the U.S. I mean, I would guess that Europe was the second largest market, but still, you're first of all, that's not necessarily the case, uh, and and secondly, you know, it's four or five hundred thousand people. Uh, you can do the math that you know whatever is ten dollars a month i mean it sounds like a lot of money but it, it, it's not when you talk about net and all the expenses that go with it and so anyway clearly wwe does want to be in the streaming business any anymore um and they'd rather be in all of these households like they did in india where they're in like 600 million households now uh, you know they weren't 60 million before that doesn't mean everybody's going to watch. It just means that there's more opportunity. So we'll see. Um, but they're clearly in the in the TV business more than the programming business. Now, I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's just it's just is what it is. I will say it's a bad thing long term because I don't think any business can succeed long term if it doesn't stick to its core principle um, and doesn't stick to its product. And its a product at the end of the day still has to be wrestling content and there's a stale as fuck, so, uh, you know, no argument here on any of that. I talk more about AW because I think it's more fun. Um, you know, speaking of fun, I watched the MLW Battle Riot uh, on YouTube. It's free. As of earlier today, 158,000 other people also watched it. A lot of fun. Uh, we talked about Conan earlier. He has a new LAX. It's a Slice Boogie, who some of you might have seen on NWA, among other places, um also danny limelight is the other member but he's going by rivera maybe that's his real name i don't know uh, but danny limelight's also i think been on nwa certainly i think he's been on some dark episodes uh i think he's been on new japan strong i think all these guys sort of have um there was a third guy frankly i don't know what his name was he was sort of doing like a junkyard dog Gimmick. He didn't speak. He would get on, you know, all fours and sort of like looked like he was going to bark and need to be pulled back. He's much smaller than Junkyard Dog. I I find that to be a very weird gimmick in this day and age, but nevertheless, it was. I didn't ride it. Um, Some other people who showed up in uh, MLW. I mean, all of the new signees were there. You had your Alex Zanes. You you had your Aries. I think this guy named Artemis. Uh, Casey Navarro was a new signee who a lot of people highly regard him as an indie wrestler. highly regarded indie wrestler to me. he's just another s- little small guy problem. You know, maybe he's 150, 160 pounds. Um, but this was fun. Um, you know, you, you had uh, Oh, Sean Devari was in the match. So Sean Devari, who's been rehired as a producer for WWE and we've seen him a couple times on TV. Apparently he's been allowed to work for MLW. Now, Steve has said that he thinks that WWE and MLW are working together uh, in some secret way, but this just might be Sean Devari fulfilling contractual requirements, commitments. Maybe WWE is like, we don't care, you know, earn your other money. Uh, Maybe they're taking a more lax attitude uh, because they're getting so much bad will because of AW. I don't know. All I can tell you is that he's still in Contra and he was in the battle royal. Anyway, Alexander Hammerstone won the Battle Royal. He should have won the Battle Royal. He did win the Battle Royal. And this apparently was his only way to get another title or get a title shot against Jacob Fatu of Contra. So we are going to get that match somewhere down the line. Hammerstone is their, I think they call it the never open weight champion. Um, so he's got that. Uh Uh, Mil Muertes is going by King Muertes now. Cesar Duran opened up the show. That's Dario Cueto. For those who don't know, it's the same actor. It's the same gimmick. It's the same outfit, just a different name. They're even using the the term Azteca underground instead of Lucha underground. Um, So anyway, this is fun. Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's about 45 minutes. Um, Pretty good numbers. Um, NXT, two weeks ago, since I didn't do much ratings last week. 709,000, which was a gain of about 4,000 over the week before, which is fine. This week on sci fi, they did 500, 520,000. I mean, with the change of network, uh, you know, and I guess the Olympics, if you want to think people watch the Olympics, I mean, I think that's sort of what was expected. I don't think anyone would have been surprised if they dipped into the fours. I don't think anybody was expecting the sixes. I think sort of five and change sounds about right. And, you know, I wouldn't call it a victory I would just call it you know par or, or holding court um or holding serve anyway um AW last week the very good fighter fest night number 2 1.148 million people so that is I think that's their second best show ever it's it's definitely top 3 this week, by the way, they went down about 48,000. I mean, you know, if we're going to call the Olympics for NXT, I guess we can call the Olympics here too. Uh, again, a pretty good fight for the Fallen show. Um, you know, uh, you know, the Nick Gage match was eagerly anticipated by some. I, You know, I don't know how many people even know or care what GCW is. I don't know how many people are turned off by deathmatch wrestling, if at all. I, I mean, I truly just don't know. I, I think that that would have been countered by buzz about Punk, and Daniel Bryan, um, whatever the case was, they did uh, 1.1 million, so they lost about 48,000, some, something like that. I mean, down is down, but still 1.1. It, it's probably their two best consecutive weeks, numbers-wise, absent their debut first two weeks, and there might have been a couple of weeks in a row when they were first unopposed with similar numbers. Um, Impact, two weeks ago. Did 120,000, it's always hard to get impact. So I'm gonna give you the last 10 weeks, starting with 10 weeks ago, not including last night, I'm sorry, last Thursday night or tonight. I don't know those numbers. Uh, So it's really 12 weeks ago, but then the last two weeks, I think, I think that the, you know, it's either 10 of the last 12 weeks absent, less the, the most recent two, or 10 of the last 11 minus tonight. Anyway, here's a 10, because this is really all you need to know. 123, 112, 109, 140, 143, 124, 111, 111, 69, and 120. So that is basically your last three months, except for the last two weeks. I I think that's not the last two Thursdays. But we'll see. I'm not hearing about any great numbers. And I know people talk about that one pay-per-view where the buy rate was great. Impact's never given the numbers. No one's ever produced a number. We've just heard that it was nine times better than the last. And then we heard it was under 10,000. So, you know, that would tell you that about 1,100 people were buying Impact pay-per-views. Anyway, that is what it is. SmackDown, 2.04 million down 300,000 from the week before. That ain't good. Second week with fans. Come on now. Uh Raw. Uh, we had 1.81 million down 110,000. Again, second night with fans. I I think on SmackDown, they're sort of trying. On Raw, I they're not even trying. Like, everyone's like, wait till fans come in. They're going to spice it up. They're going to kick it up. They're going to give us surprises. No, they didn't. I mean... Was Cena surprised? surprise? Not really. Was it sort of nice to see him? Yeah, it was nice to see him. Was Goldberg surprised? surprise? No. And if anything, it was a bad surprise. I don't care that the crowd in Dallas chanted Goldberg a few times. Um, but even when they bring someone in as a surprise, it's not someone new. It's someone from NXT or someone that they're bringing back. So, you know, it's Finn Balor. Uh, you know, uh, eventually it's going to be Becky, and that'll be cool. We want to see Becky back. Uh, we want to see Sasha come back. Of course we do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be others too. There's rumors that they're bringing Braun back, though. Braun is teasing that he has options. I don't know. I, I can't really see him signing with AEW, but I think it would be hysterical. I would love to see him grow his hair back like he had it before, and then you know, which it's too soon for that to have happened by now. But him, Archer, and, and Malachi Black, all with the same hairdo, being like uh, you know, the like a killer elite squad kind of thing. Um, anyway, uh, Raw. You know, it deserved to go down, but it doesn't deserve to be as high as as it was. Um, dark and dark elevation. So I'm not giving you the Women of Honor because that that's done. It's we're we're there's no more new episodes on that. It's all on Ring of Honor TV, and their ratings are not released. It, you know, Sinclair has 193 independent stations that that, that, that well stations that they own. Um, or have or franchise they also lease ring of honor to uh, a number of stations and of course there's honor club and there's some contracts in other countries and things like that but numbers aren't released um so if i had them i'd give them to you mlw that's the only news showing on on youtube i'm aware of uh when they start airing on vice i will report those ratings anyway dark continues to be the victim of too much wrestling along with impact dark the last three weeks uh, so Three Tuesdays ago um, was three hundred thirty-eight thousand. Two Tuesdays ago, two hundred fifty-two thousand. This week, one hundred and ninety-five thousand. So that's that just keeps going down. Dark Elevation, however, has made a recovery. So I have a feeling those people who have tuned out RAW, they've started checking out Dark Elevation, which probably has something to do with AW going up too. Because um, I don't know the Nick fucking gauge is that big a draw um and while the shows have been good you know i think the people were inclined to look at it out of curiosity before sort of got the feel for the product and you know they saw the exploding deathmatch barbed wire fizzle and sort of tuned out but maybe they're giving a second look now and maybe they're liking what they see so uh you know and i know that causation and correlation aren't the same thing but if you look at dark elevations numbers that were real high, then took a dip, but recently have been recovering. It sort of coincides with Raw's dip um, and AEW's gain as well. So who knows? Anyway, three weeks ago, 727,000. Now listen, a few months ago, that wasn't good. A few months ago, three weeks would be 1,800,000, 900,000. But you know, even up to a few shows ago, it was the 400s or even the high threes, 727,000. Nothing to sneeze about, even if it, even if that's three Mondays ago. Um, two Mondays ago, 452,000, very respectable. And this past Monday, 364,000. And again, I checked these probably around midday Eastern time today, Thursday the 29th. Um, so Dark Elevation is doing a lot better. I don't watch it, but people are. Um we alluded to this earlier, Thunder Rosa signed her contract with AEW, you know, no, nobody should be surprised by that. Uh, Kira Hogan announced she's done with Impact, don't know if that's going to work, don't care. Um, a few more wrestlers have been announced for the Empower card. Um, I Asgard, I, I forgot most names, I think Lady Frost is on there. I think someone named Senegal might be uh, on there. I, I'm, I'm not even really sure. I You know, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's building to be a power card in any event. Um, John Cena, between now and SummerSlam, has about 15 confirmed appearances. Um, that doesn't mean wrestling. It doesn't necessarily mean in person they could be recorded promos. They're probably going to be more promos than the matches. So he did do a dark match uh, where I think him and the Mysterios – Beat Roman and the Usos, I think. Um, but they whoever they faced, they won in a dark match uh, after SmackDown went off the air. The Rock is rumored to be appearing at the Survivor Series. Not SummerSlam, but the Survivor Series. In what capacity, who knows? Uh, this was reported by Andrew Zarian. Uh, he will admit that he's not a journalist, but he is well-sourced, and he got that information from... He's, he's very transparent about. He doesn't say names, but he tell. He basically tells you where he's getting sources. either, either they're, you know, sort of like one step away sources, like toy and video game manufacturers or network people who have who've done plans around. He, he's very good about that. And that, actually, that show Men, I used to ignore it, uh, and then because I didn't realize who who the guys were, and I and no disrespect i i i, I the, the the second host name escapes me now but they're both very good and it's actually become one of the shows that i really like um it's probably my favorite show on the figure four online Not not that i love figure four online but i, I like semper baby and you know i'll listen to alvarez every now and then but these guys they're, they're on my must listen to list now anyway that's the source so don't blame me blame him um what else do I have to say here? Oh, okay, Daniel Bryan, some of the rumors around him is that he wants character control and he wants to have freedom to work in Japan and he wants less states. Who doesn't? Uh, that does sound like something that AEW would be into or New Japan might be into and let him work some dates conversely in the US. Uh, maybe for New Japan strong, but maybe also with impact and who knows? Maybe occasionally with AEW. Who, who knows what's going on these days? Um... That's probably all the news that, that really matters um, that I can think of now. And it's a solo show and it's now on 45 minutes and I wasn't planning to do a solo show. So I hope you enjoyed it or at least found it informative enough, but I'm going to let you go. Stay evil, my friends, check you out next week. Steve will be back. And so we'll have more of our banter and energy that, that you know, that, you know, obviously I need someone else to feed off of. Um, so thank you for bearing with me. Check out all the shows. Check out Garden of Doom, please. Uh, You can subscribe on Rational Rage Network to Hammerlock Hangover and Garden of Doom. If you subscribe to Hammerlock Hangover on the Wrestling Soup Network, you'll also get Garden of Doom. Um, Some of our recent shows on Garden of Doom, I had a survivor of Scientology. He was involved with the Church of Scientology through his parents since he was four years old. He got out about nine years ago. He's 51 years old. Um, So very good story he yes he knows leah uh remini from uh king of queens he's actually been on our show a couple times they're friends um his name is chris shelton uh i of course continue my land of the lost series so that will probably drop this week um a few weeks back i had pj black you might know him as justin gabriel from wwe we talked about african lore mythology and Some other stuff, really interesting guy, we've been corresponding since. Hopefully he'll be on the show again. I've got some exciting stuff coming up. I've already recorded some shows for theme month, which will include a show about the MCU, Star Trek, British science fiction, some other fun stuff. Um, I've got uh, Chris O'Brien coming up. Uh, who is the foremost expert. He's been on lots of TV shows about the mysteries of the San Luis Valley and the Four Corners area between New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona. I guess Utah's the fourth or maybe Nevada. Um, Can't picture it in my head right now. Uh, Andrew Goff is coming on again. He's going to talk about the the real story behind the the real Da Vinci Code, Rene Le Chateau in southern France and all of that stuff. Uh, He also promised to research a couple of other things for me I was curious about the significance of the peacock in, in history and symbology, maybe some astrozoarianism, who knows, maybe some mithrasium, who knows. Um, I also recorded a an interview with retired chief of detectives, New York City Police Department, Joseph Borelli. He was the lead detective in The Son of Sam, uh, serial killer, that they broke the case, uh, obviously. Uh, He was also the chief of detectives during the first World Trade Center bombing case. Obviously, they solved that as well. Uh, Also, other prominent uh, cases like Howard Beach, and there was a prominent rabbi that was assassinated. Um, And he talks about that. And actually, we break a little bit of news. He said he doesn't think he ever told anyone else something before, but you're going to have to listen to it. Um, So a lot of good stuff. More stuff coming up. Uh, So check out Garden of Doom. It's very much a magazine show. It's very much not wrestling. And... I don't know. It's sort of different. Maybe the closest thing is like the Joe Rogan show, except it's not four hours long and you don't have to watch it. You can just listen to it at your leisure. So I don't know. Check it out. Think you like it. Hope you like it. Five stars. Rate. Tell your friends. Anyway, peace out. I've gone on long enough. Thank you.